Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. If you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5, or I'm sorry, John chapter 15. And then you can also, it will also be on your screens, but, and then also Galatians 5.22. We're in week three of our Ghosted series. Uh, no, it's not being quiet on a text message or avoiding somebody. Uh, go to Urban Dictionary and look at Ghosted if you are really wondering what that is. Um, but what we're talking about is the Holy Spirit, a.k.a. the Holy Ghost. And what this whole collection of talks, the premise of this collection of talks is really to lean in in regards to uh, reconnecting with the Holy Spirit. Um, I think that the church uh, has done a disservice to not include the Holy Spirit in the midst of them, right? Because what happens is we think that because the Holy Spirit's evident, it's got to be weird. No, there's order to worship. There's a strict order to worship. And so what we desire is to reconnect with the Holy Spirit the way God intended us. Amen. I think that we have power when we reconnect with the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're doing. And that's what we're addressing. So uh, last week was powerful. Um, My wife, my favorite preacher on the planet, uh, brought an incredible word about ghosted um, and how the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And, uh, And it also confronts things so it can comfort. Uh, and I just would encourage you, go to the podcast. It's a great way where you can get connected. We're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on Android, Google Play, wherever podcasts are found, you can actually go there and listen to them. They're updated every Tuesday. And I listened to um, Katie's message last week multiple times, and I encourage you, dive in uh, and listen to those messages. Uh, and then, um, so if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn to John chapter 15, verse 5 first. So it says, I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Powerful scripture that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the vine and the branches and how we are, he is the vine. He is is the source of where everything comes from for us. That's good. And we have to be plugged into the source. How many know that you cannot turn on a light if it's not plugged into the source. So how can we as followers of Jesus be light into the world if we're not plugged into the source? How can I bear fruit if I'm not plugged in to the source? Now turn over to Galatians, to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Today, the title of my message is Peeled. Peeled. Talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Peeled. If you would bow your head and close your eyes, we're going to pray. Father, be with us. Amen. All right. Um, who, who, that's okay to laugh in church. Let's greet our Facebook fam. We're so happy you're here today. How many have ever tried to test out living out the fruits of the Spirit? Like you've actually like put them to the test. Like you said, hey, I want to live out the fruits of the Spirit. I want to live out love. I want to live out joy. I want to live out peace and gentleness and kindness, goodness and self-control. How many have ever tried to live that out? Like you've actually tried? Well, how many know that when you try to live out the fruits of the Spirit, you're going to be tested in the fruits of the Spirit? 
I mean, this last week, uh, it was last Saturday, you know, because when, when we talk about what we're going to talk about at church and we get ready to preach, we don't just go and say, hey, we're going to preach and we're going to, you know, put together a word. We actually, I actually prepare and I go, well, if I'm going to preach about the fruits of the Spirit, I should probably practice the fruits of the Spirit, amen? And so I think that, that I was praying and I was like, hey, God, you know, I'm gonna, I want to practice these fruits of the Spirit. I want to be more patient. I want to be more kind. I want to be more loving. And uh, Katie goes, hey, well, why don't you give Carter a haircut? And I said, okay, that's good. I can do that. And so Carter, um, if you didn't know, Carter's on the autism spectrum. He doesn't like to get his hair cut. Not very fun. Not fun for him and not fun for us. Originally, like literally, like Katie would, I have this picture I saw it this week, and Katie's big and pregnant with Kennedy, just nearing the end of, of giving, or getting ready to give birth to Kennedy. We're giving Carter a haircut. And she is so, her mouth is all crazy. It's all, she's just so frustrated because we had to hold him to cut his hair. Well, we've had victory since then because what we do is now, uh, he, he now asked to get his haircut from time to time. And so Katie said, would you give him a haircut? And I said, absolutely. So if you see Carter running around, don't knock his haircut because I cut his hair. Okay? Yes, I'm a man of many talents. I make sure that my kids have their hair cut. Kennedy's really never had her hair cut. She's had trimmed a bit. But we've stated this precedent with Carter because we wouldn't pay to get his hair cut that we would go and we'd buy him a gift as a result of him being a good boy. Well, that's kind of a good thing and kind of a bad thing. And so we went to Thomas the Toys in um, Escondido Mall. And we made, you know, everything needs to be equal, right, from time to time. And Kennedy, since she didn't get her hair cut, it wouldn't be really fair for us to go and just give Carter a toy and not give Kennedy a toy, right? So we go to Totally Thomas, and we're in there, and we're having a good time, and Carter knows exactly what he, get, he wants. He wants a Boeing A380 Air Canada, the new model of the Darren playset. He knows exactly. And I'm like, all right, man, I love it. You know right what you want. Let's do this. And so we went, and we had to do some other things, and we came in to Thomas and Toys. It was like, oh, you know, like Carter beelines, walks right in, finds, it, finds the Air Canada, pulls it out, goes, this is what I want. Said, Simple enough. And then our princess, <laughs> who we promised that she could get a toy, and we promised under a certain amount because she needs no limits, people. And you're, don't judge my parenting, by the way. And so we give her, we give her limits as to what to do. And so we said, you can spend $10. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, I could spend a buck. Ten bucks is a lot for a four-year-old, right? And so we said, you get $10 because Carter's gift was $10, and we're going to call it good. Well, what happens to Kennedy? I want a unicorn. That's what she said. I want a unicorn. You got to hear her talk to know what I'm saying. Uh, and she goes, I want a unicorn. And we're like, okay. And so Katie, we split up. Katie went with Kennedy, and I went with Carter. And we were already back. And I was like, well, do we know? Are we ready? And she and, we searched that store for like 20 minutes, looking for the perfect unicorn. Then it shifted to a kitty cat. Then she went from wanting a kitty cat to wanting a big kitty cat that was outside her price range. I said, no, you can't have a kitty cat that's outside your price range. What are you doing? And so, she, and so then she goes, she ends up coming back out. And finally, she, I find this kitty cat. She goes, no, I don't want that kitty cat. I'm like, what are you doing, girl? Come on, get a hold of yourself. We're giving you something for free. And so I'm like, I look at Katie, Katie looks at me, and we start kind of having those parent eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where you look at each other and you, have a, you, you know exactly what the other person's thinking. And we're like, this, ain't, this is not going to happen. She's not going to choose a gift. So we waited. I said, I'm going to put a timer down. Three minutes, you pick a gift or no gift. And what did she do? 
she didn't get a gift. And what did I do as a good parent? Following through, I picked her up, weeping, crying, hysterically. Have you ever walked through a mall with a four-year-old girl that is crying and weeping hysterically? And you're like, literally, I'm holding her. And I'm trying, I'm reminded, practice the fruits of the Spirit, practice the fruits of the Spirit, practice the fruits of the Spirit, every step of the way. And, I'm, I'm, and so I pick her up, I put her in my arms. I'm like, you pay for Carter. I'm out of here. We're getting in the car. We're going home. And I hold her. And she's like screaming, and I have the word. I have like these death, you know, stares as I'm walking through the mall. I, I got him with Carter. I didn't think I was gonna get him with Kennedy. And I'm running through the mall, and I'm like, be at peace, be at peace, be at peace. That's what the Bible says. Be at peace. Be patient. Have self-control, because you know what you want to do to this little girl. Have self-control. And so I get her in the car, and I put her in there, and I said, you're, 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 we're done. And the whole way home, what does she do? Cries, screams, and cries. And finally, when she calmed down, and there was peace amongst the whole earth, I said, you know what? You know the principle, and you know why. And then she had it in her mind that she was going to get a toy again. And I said, no, 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 no. You had your opportunity, and you squandered it. You chose not to get and take what we were giving you under the amount of time. We chose to give you something. And how many know that when you pray to live out the fruits of the Spirit, guess what? You're going to be tested even by the closest people around you. And when you strive to live out, there's always going to be major pushback towards you. When you strive to live more like Jesus, there's going to be pushback. Honestly. When you strive to live up to the teachings of God, guess what? There's going to be pushback. There's going to be pushback. But that's where you lean into Jesus and you lean into God and you trust that his spirit will lead you and guide you along the way. And, and really the Apostle Paul was writing the Galatians. He was talking about the fruits of the spirit. He was trying to give a tangible analogy. He was giving something tangible because oftentimes they're uneducated. And so being uneducated, you had to give tangible ways into teach. So think about Jesus. That's why he talked in, a parable of, in parables. There were short stories with meanings so that anyone on the planet could understand what he's saying. So here he is giving a tangible analogy of a fruit. The Greek word for fruit in this passage is karpos. Translated means natural product of a living thing. Paul used fruit to help us understand the product of the Holy Spirit who lives inside every believer. And the fruits of the Spirit are, pro are produced by the Spirit, not the Christian. I want to say that flat out right there. Your fruit is produced by the Holy Spirit, not the Christian. Not the person that tries to do good. Not the person that says, I'm going to come to pray first and comes to pray first. But the Holy Spirit is producing the gifts that, and, the, and the, the fruits of the Spirit inside you. Not because of your good works, but because you try to be more like Christ. That's the way the fruits of the Spirit operate. And, and, and really, uh, as we grow in the character of Christ, we see the fruits manifest itself in our life. Uh, I remember... You have to grow, though. You have to grow in the fruits. And, and I remember uh, this time when we first moved here, we had a, uh, a, a tree that was hanging over uh, into our yard. Okay, don't judge me, people. I told you, don't judge me about this. We had a tree hanging over into our yard, and I looked up, and there were these green little fruits. And I was like, oh, I like tacos. And I like lime in my tacos with cilantro. Y'all are hungry, I know. And I'm, and I'm like, I like lime in my... So what did I do? I went and picked the fruit. I went and picked the fruit, and I went over to the kitchen, and I told Katie, I was like, we have limes next door. This is going to be amazing. Life chain. You know, like, you, you go, and it's like such a big deal. It's really not. And I get up there, and I go to cut the lime, 
And I'm like, the rind is huge in this line. I've never seen a rind this big in my life. And so, what did, so but it still, I didn't, didn't stop me. I cut it, I put it on my taco. And then a few months pass by. And I come to realize that that's not a lime tree. That's an orange tree. That's an orange tree. Well, guess what? The fruit had to ripen in order for me to enjoy the fullness of that. And some of us need to allow the fruit to ripen in our lives so that what we can do is we can enjoy the fruit that God has given us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so often we want the quick thing. We want, I was, I was happy about a lime. No, nope, it was an orange. <laughs> and really, I think fr- like the physical fruit needs time to grow. The fruits of the Spirit will not ripen in our lives overnight. It takes a process to produce fruit. It takes a process. Some of us want it now, but it takes a process. A successful gardener must battle against weeds to enjoy the sweet fruit they desire. We must constantly work to rid ourselves and rid our lives of the weeds of old sin and our old sinful natures that want to choke out the works of the Spirit. The thing is, is some of our old habits and, or old sin take us away from producing the fruit that God really intended in our lives. Think of it like this. I know that we're supposed to be plugged into to God as the, as the vine, but let me say it like this. I think some of us have a tendency to kill our tree before it can ever bear fruit. It kills the tree. We kill the tree. We uproot the tree. Katie had an analogy last week of a rose bush that I got and an imagery that God gave me specifically for her in that instance. But sometimes what we do is we kill the tree before we can ever let fruit happen. We kill the tree with our words. You might be saying, well, what do you mean, Pastor Todd? We can't bear fruit if we're killing our trees because we kill our trees with our tongue. You kill the tree with your tongue. James 3.9, give, give you a backing scripturally. With the tongue, we praise the Lord our, and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. So James is talking about praising God in one side and cursing man with the same tongue. I don't know about you, but that's pretty convicting. Yes, it is. That's pretty convicting. We kill our testimony when we praise the Lord with one breath and we curse man in the other. We kill our testimony when we, when, when we uh, gossip in one moment and we praise God in the next. That's not intended for the way God wants us to live our life. And we compl- when we complain, we kill our tree. You know, we kill our tree when we complain. How can you bear fruit when you complain? And I know that I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of complaining from time to time. I'm human. I'll take the mask off. I'll be honest and real. I complain from time to time. But I kill my tree every time I complain. How can I expect to bear fruit when I'm constantly complaining? Oh, this is, you know, my kids, my work, my people, the city, all this. How can we bear fruit if we are constantly complaining? When we're selfish, we're killing our tree. Because how can you bear fruit for others to enjoy? For others to enjoy when you are being selfish. We got to stop killing our tree. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to do that. The Holy Spirit gives us the power we need to reject those old sinful desires. We can say no to sin and accept the way out and the way that God has for us. And that was his Holy Spirit. And God faithfully provides by, the, uh, by, leading, by prompting us and leading us in ways to say no. Ways to go, oh, I'm killing my tree. Guess what? I better zip my lip. Oh, I'm killing my tree with my mindset because it's limited. It's small. Maybe there's a bigger dream inside of you that God has created for, but you've, you've killed your own trees so you don't bear any fruit. Some of you need to start planting. 
You need to start planting in the house of God. You need to start serving here because you know what? There are dreams that can unfold when you get in the house of God and you start serving. There's purpose that happens. We had a talent show last night. 60 some odd people here celebrating people with special needs, singing songs, showing their art. We had a guy that was playing a, 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 a song that we had played at our wedding. How special is that? Why? Because we said yes and we pushed in a little bit. Guess what? We're Night to Shine 2020s just around the corner and we've been selected again. Hey, guess what? It's because we're pressing in a little bit more because we want to bear fruit in our community, right? I don't want to say, oh, we're, we're making a difference, but we're never making a difference. we got to make a difference in our community and it starts with the fruits of the Spirit. It's not by accident that you're here today. You're going to bear fruit and I believe it and we're going to pray for people to bear fruit. To bear fruit, maybe you, pay, you need more patience in your life. We're going to pray for people. Maybe, and I'm going to explain all nine fruits of the Spirit. Uh, first, Corinthians 10, 13, talking about the idea of saying no and the concept of saying no that, will, that inhibits you from bearing fruit. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Say, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. He provides a way where there is no way Amen. every single time. But it's our choice to go the way that he would like us to go. And I know that there are times and circumstances where we have been dictated where to go. And I'm sorry for that. If there have been times or moments or times and spaces when you've been dictated, you've been told where to go, how to live, who to be, that's wrong. But God is, will always, he's just and he will always give you a way out. And as we, as we give the Spirit more control of our lives, as we give the Holy Spirit more control, He will begin to do things in, uh, in us and through us that only He can do that will shape us and grow to be more like Jesus. And as I was doing my research and my study for this particular topic and this particular message, uh, I've looked into this whole concept of, of the fruits of the Spirit. And next week, we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. You won't want to miss next week. It's going to be great. Holy Spirit inspired, just like today is. But as I was doing my research, and we're getting ready to talk about the gifts of the Spirit next week, I was doing about my research about the fruits of the Spirit today. Um, not today I was doing the research, but previously. I didn't just show up here and go, oh, this is good. You know, I'm just going <laughs> to preach whatever I want. There's preparation that goes into preaching. And as I was thinking and praying, God brought me to this idea of a dove. A dove has nine feathers on the right wing, and a dove has nine feathers on the left wing. Guess how many fruits of the Spirit there are? Nine. Guess how many gifts of the Spirit? Nine. nine. Guess how the dove takes flight through those nine feathers that keeps him up. Guess what happens when Jesus was baptized? A dove. A dove is a symbol of Jesus, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit's at work, that's what keeps it at flight. Those nine wings keep that dove going. And I believe that God wants to unload and unpack nine gifts and nine fruits for us to live an effective life for Jesus, right? And so I'm really excited about what's going to take place in the next few moments. So if you're taking notes, uh, we're going to talk about these nine fruits. It's not going to be long, okay? I promise you it's going to be great, okay? Uh, love, love. True biblical love is a choice, it's not a feeling. This type of love expressed itself in loving ways, and we are 
always seeking the welfare of others. Philippians 2.3 says, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. And then the next verse is, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. We should consider others better than ourselves. That's the type of love. We, biblical love is, is dependent upon your character, not your emotion. It's based upon your character, not your emotion. I meet a lot of emotional people that think that their love is based on emotion. Guess what? If you have a marriage based on emotion, when a fight happens, guess what? The emotion's going to show up too. When you are connecting intimately with your partner, when, you are, when, you, when there's a love there and it's emotional, that's all that will be there. You have to have a character type of love, something that can sustain the long term. Because guess what? Love is hard. It's messy. It's messy. Oh, love can be messy. But you know what? When done right, it's amazing. And I'm not just talking romantically. I'm talking about with your friends. I'm talking about the whole idea of unconditional love, loving people that can't do anything for you. I, that's the type of love that, 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 that Paul is talking about here as a, as a gift of the, or the, a fruit of the Spirit, that love chooses to set aside one's preferences, desires, and sometimes even needs to put the other person first. And I think marriage is a prime example of that. Marriage can expose your selfishness. And it got quiet. Because what happens is when, especially when you add children into the mix, it only exposes it that much more because you just want sleep. I just want sleep. That's all you say. I just sleep. And if your partner is selfish and you're selfish and that kid who needs help that is reliant on you for life, if you are being selfish, guess what? you're going to have conflict. You're going to have trouble because love is messy and it exposes the tough stuff in our own life. I think of um, the, the, the whole concept of, of, of love in, and I'm, I know I'm focusing between man and woman, but I, I think that that's one of the greatest ways where I can talk about it here because love exposes some of the selfish desires that we have in our life. And I think that, that if I'm, I'll use my wife as an example because that's the only example I know aside from my children. But if I love her and I think about her needs, guess what? And she loves me and thinks about my needs. Whose needs are met? Everyone's. And we're all happy. If, I, if she only thinks of hers and I only think of mine, guess what? We're going to have conflict. It's inevitable. But what we have to do as followers of Jesus, and that goes to show not even in these moments of, uh, of marital love, that goes to show at the grocery store that you have every reason to love that person, to love that clerk, to love that barista, to love the, your Chick-fil-A server, to love those people. You have every reason to love them because that's the character of Christ inside of you, inside of you, thinking about others more than yourself. Number two, joy. We got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? We got the Yeah, come on. All the church kids said amen. All right. Joy, uh, we sometimes as Christians tend to downplay the meaning of joy. And in this particular circumstance, I know that sometimes we say have joy despite your circumstance, which I agree with. And, uh, and the Greek word translated specifically in this passage of, of Galatians chapter 5 means gladness and delight. Basically the same thing uh, the world means basically talking about joy. So when the world says joy, they're thinking of gladness and delight. But what I think the believer should do 
And I think that what we've done wrong a lot of times is we've allowed our joy, we've allowed our circumstance to dictate our joy. We've allowed the internal to dictate the external. We've allowed what's coming on us to dictate how we live our life. And that's not a fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is despite your circumstance, whatever you're walking through, whatever trouble or challenge that you're facing on a daily basis. And I know that everyone faces challenge in here. We face challenges from all shapes and sizes, big to small. But we, when we choose joy over our circumstance, we're actually reflecting the image of Christ. Because you know what? I think I've never, I haven't seen anyone crucified in here. So I think that we should have every reason to be joyful. We, I mean, Christ, I believe, had joy. Because if he reflects these character, this character and the fruits of the Spirit, guess what? He had joy despite his circumstance. And I think that, that we can't let our circumstance dictate our joy. Last time I checked, we serve a God who sent his one and only son to die for you and I. Yet our past or our present is robbing our joy from what God wants it to do in our life. And from who he is and the character of, his, of who he is, he wants joy to overflow in our life. Ecclesiastes 9.7 says it like this. Go. Eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved of what you do. That's not a reason to sin. That's a reason not to sin. But you know what? That gives you joy along the way. No matter what you're facing, you can stand up and you can go, I can be happy because the King of kings and the Lord of lords came to earth, was crucified so that I could live a joyful life. A joyful life. We got so many unjoyful Christians just walking around, just mad. I'm mad. What are you mad about? I don't know. I'm just mad. I'm mad. What are you mad about? Oh, well, you have no idea what they said about me. Did you, did you actually follow Matthew 18 and go to them? No. Oh, well, that may be why your joy is robbed from you. Honestly, we have to be more joyful. And I think that that's probably why the church has got a bad rap. Because we're the ones that like I said, in one tongue are praising the name of Jesus, but we're also the ones slandering other people. We're talking bad about the coworker. We're looking to find out dirt and insight about other people. Guess what? Be joyful. Worry about you. Because when you worry about you, guess what? There won't be conflict. Because if only you are looking at every other person and trying to find out what they're doing, guess what? You're not thinking about things above. You're thinking about yourself. And we got to stop thinking about our le ourselves less and God more. And that's where our joy comes. Peace. Our world doesn't offer much peace. Just look around. I'm saddened. I was out of town for three days. And I was driving to Vibrant Lives last night. And I was driving down Midland Road. And I was saddened because I looked and I saw two news crews. And so I stopped my car and I thought for a moment, what is going on in my city? My city, my little sleepy city known as Poway. What's going on? I'm a resident. This is, this is a big deal. And I go and I look online. And I see a man that was in peace sleeping. Was murdered as a result of two other people arguing. And a, gun went, a bullet went through a wall killing that man. Sleeping in his bed. You can't say that our world has peace in our sleepy town of Poway. And you know what? We as followers of Jesus, we as Christians need to rise up and we can't let the enemy win. If peace is going to happen, we got to serve the Prince of Peace and we got to be peaceful to one another. We can't let the enemy win because he wants to destroy us. 
But what we have to do as followers of Jesus, as, as Christians, is we need to rise up because the peace of Christ is possible. The world can't give us peace because they don't know the one that has peace. And so for us, we need to be carriers of light and carriers of vision and carriers of peace to one another. You know, that's why the Jewish culture, they would say shalom, peace, shalom, peace. What if you said that once in a while to maybe the Walmart person that when you're leaving, they're saying, have a great day. Maybe you say shalom, peace. Maybe that will create a conversation and a space to talk about Jesus. Because we want to be actively present in our lives. And, and, and Philippians tells us, in the midst of the chaos, how to have peace. Are you ready for these? Philippians 4, 4 through 9. It says, first, choose to rejoice in God and who he is. Rejoice in God and who he is. Second, bring all your worries, fears, and concern to God in prayer. Don't bring it to other people. Bring your fears, concerns. That doesn't mean you're not accountable. And that doesn't mean that when you are in sin, you don't, you don't talk to one another. You talk to one another. You confess your sins because God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so we have to take our fears and concerns to God. Third, fill your mind with God's truth. I've said it before, a verse a day keeps the devil away. Not really. It's just kind of a catchy slogan. But what you need to understand is you need to get in your word. It's relevant. It's relevant. I can't go a day without reading this in some capacity. Whether it's a verse, whether it's a chapter, whether it's a book, you got to get this in you because that's where peace happens. I've learned more about how to live out peace from sitting in my chair and reading about the Prince of Peace because all 66 books is laced with Jesus, is laced with God. And this is the source of our, not our peace, but where we can find out how to live. And fourth, choose to think on things about God. Stop thinking about your circumstance. Start thinking about the one who can change your circumstance. Because I believe that God is the change agent in the midst of it. He's a game changer. There, in sports, there's something called a game changer. When uh, in basketball, sometimes you're playing basketball and there's a guy that is on the bench that can provide a spark of energy and he can come in and be a game changer. He can shift the momentum. In football, there's one play that might happen. There's, in, in the game of football, there's six plays, that will, and you can argue with me to the death about this. There's six plays that will make or break a game, and you can count them down to these six plays, and they're game-changing plays. But you never know when those plays are, so you never took a play off. But that's the way that, that, that peace can be. We can be game-changers in our world because we have peace inside of us. Good. Next, patience. How many have heard patience is a virtue? Yeah. Whew. Unfortunately, we lack patience in our lives because we want it now in our culture. Uh, I was the other day at a fast food restaurant. Again, don't judge me. I was getting a salad. Okay, I was getting a salad. Thanks. But I was at a fast food restaurant, and the whole concept of fast food is what? Fast food. It's fast. It's fast. It's quick. And so I was standing there, and I already ordered, and a guy before me ordered too. And I'm standing there. And this guy goes up to the person behind the counter. He goes, what's going on? And I'm like, bro, chill. Why are you yelling? We're in a, we're, we're in a restaurant. Why are you chilling? Just, just, just relax. He's like yelling at this person. I need it now. I'm late. I need it now. Well, maybe you should have planned ahead, bro. Maybe you should have just like actually planned ahead for a moment. And he's thinking, I'm, I'm like watching him. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. And I'm watching him berate this person that's working. And she's like, excuse me, sir. Just give two minutes and the nuggets are done. And he's like, no, I need them now. 
And I'm like, and I, 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 I kind of walked up to him and I was like, it's okay, man. You know, like two minutes, she can't stick her hand in the fryer. Not a good situation here. You know, like just relax. And I stepped back. And finally, he just kind of backed away because he realized that he was impatient at a fast food restaurant. How ridiculous is that? And I think that that's a lot of times the way that we live our life. We're impatient for God to move on our behalf. We go, God, I'm going to be patient for you to move. When are you going to move? Move now. God, I need you to move now. That's the way we pray. And we're like, God's, God's in process the whole time. Your miracle is in motion every single day. It's in motion. He's at work because the Holy Spirit's at work, right? He doesn't take a day off. Even when you're sleeping, he's still working. That's right. He's still working. But we have to be patient in our circumstance. We live in a microwave society. 90 seconds, ding, I got it. I cook Carter's rice that way. Don't judge my parenting. I put his rice in there, click 90 seconds, out the gate, he's fed. 90 seconds, because that's the way we live. And the churches fall into this as well. We pray so hard. God, I want to see you move in our city. I want to see you move in this church. I want to see you move. Well, maybe the greatest thing you could do is just stay patient and keep showing up. Because when you are patient and you show up, you make a difference. I did a memorial service of a, of a friend of mine a few weeks ago. And what I learned about this man is that he was patient and he showed up. He showed up when he didn't want to. He showed up when he did want to. And guess what every single person talked about? His faithfulness. Because he was patient in the moment. When he didn't want to watch the soccer game, guess what? He was there watching it, patiently, maybe enduring it, but he was enjoying it because it was a product of his grandkids that he was excited to be there. And every single person was impacted. I met him probably handful of times, and I was profoundly impacted because he continually showed up. And when you continue to show up, you continue to be faithful, which we'll get to in a second. Guess what? You're patient in the process, and you can see the miracle in motion when you're patient and you see God moving. So stop praying these prayers. God, I need you to move now, or I need you to move. When are you doing it? Pray, God, I want your timing because your timing's impeccable. Because you know what? My story is not over yet. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to see the fruit of patience in my life. And I'm going to work this on my knees. And I'm going to pray that miracle into fruition. No matter if my knees are bloody. No matter if there's tears coming out my eyes. I don't care because I'm going to see the victory. Because I know I serve a God that is righteous. And he is faithful to deliver on his promises when we are patiently seeking him. Man, I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. Come on. I'm fired up today. But patient people, they put up with circumstances and other people, even when they're severely tired. Mothers, you probably should say amen right there. <laughs> because patient people put up with circumstances. Oh, you know what? You know, like, things aren't going very good. Well, be patient, because they're going to be better. They, put, they, they have endurance. Think about a marathoner. A marathoner doesn't win the marathon in, in, in mile one wins it at the finish line. So if you go out and you don't trust the process of the marathon, you'll never get to the finish line. Trust the marathon, trust the process. The New Testament specifically connects patience with sharing the gospel. God is patient and he wants for the lost to come to him. 2 Peter 3.9, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understood slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 
He is patient. And if we were to reflect the image of God, guess what? I hate to tell you, you impatient people, including myself, it's time to be patient. Kindness and goodness, I'm going to lump these together. And good, uh, this goodness in action reflects the kindness and goodness towards us. God demonstrated his kindness and goodness uh, to us in our salvation, according to Titus 3.4. And he continued to show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us for all eternity, according to Ephesians 2.17. It is our responsibility, it is our responsibility to reflect what God has given to the world. You know what? Just be kind. There's power in kindness. I mean, really, just be kind to one another. Be happy to be around each other. That, that, that person that's in your house that you just can't stand, oh, that's just, try. be kind to them. That coworker that's always argumentative, we all know them. Be kind. Even when it's hard, be kind. That friend that you struggle, you have an acquaintance with that is always constantly, you're kind of button heads from time to time. Maybe, you know what? Maybe your kindness could change how they feel about themselves. Maybe a random act of kindness. Maybe you should go and just buy them a cup of coffee and set it on their desk and say, you know what? I, there's no reason. I just wanted to say you're a great person. Maybe that will cause an opportunity for Jesus to be glorified in those moments. Next, faithfulness. Faithfulness is reliability or trustworthiness. And as Christians, we are to be faithful to God first. Wait, faithful to God first. If we lack faithfulness, I, I think that, 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 that sometimes if, that, that the way we operate in faithfulness to God um, is a direct reflection in the way we operate faithfulness to other people. And you're like, well, what do you mean? And this might sound like a bold statement, but faithfulness to God first means that you follow through with what you say to God, right? That when you pr make promises to God, like, God, I'm, I'm going to get in your word. And I'm not saying that that makes you more of a Christian. What that does is that makes you love, that makes you fall more in love with him and it's good for your soul, it's good for you. But I think that, that my relationship with God is in direct correlation with my relationship with others because I see when my faithfulness lacks here, my faithfulness lacks here. Meaning, be a person of your word. When you say you're going to be on time, be on time. Faithfulness. Right? Is that faithful? Or am I, not, am, I not, am I not missing the mark? Being on time is being faithful. Um, doing a good job. Faithful. Faithful. Um, following through on your word. When you say you're going to do something, just do it. Just do it. Is it that hard? Just do it. Follow through. Follow through. Being honest and truthful. Taking off the mask in a connect group. Guess what? Faithfulness, it's in direct correlation with our faithfulness to God, I think has result in our faithfulness towards one another. Proverbs 28, 20, it says, a faithful person will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. You gotta be faithful day in and day out. Next, gentleness. Closely linked to humility, gentleness is the grace. Worship team, you can join me. Uh, gentleness is the grace of the soul. It's not weakness, but instead it's strength under control. Gentleness is being the opposite of self-assertive and the opposite of self-interest. It's also the key ingredient to unity and peace among the body of Christ is being gentle. Jesus was gentle, but he wasn't timid. Jesus was gentle, but he was The woman at the well sounds pretty gentle, right? 
Doesn't mean he wasn't timid in talking about her circumstance, but he was gentle in how he dealt with it. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, guess what? He's pretty gentle there. The woman with the issue of blood. He was on his way to perform another miracle and that gal touched his cloak. He was gentle to get on his hands and knees and talk to her. The centurion, the man with the withered hand, all gentle the way that Jesus was. 2 Timothy 2.25 says, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge and truth. We have to be gentle, not timid, gentle in the way that we want to do things. Lastly, self-control. This last characteristic of Paul's descriptions of the fruits of the Spirit points back to his list of the works of the flesh. Because you can go and aspire for those other eight, but if you're missing the mark in nine, this self-control piece, and you're missing the mark, guess what? Those other fruits of the Spirit can be, can be null and void in our life. Think about it. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Has he got you yet? Dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. We have to have self-control. That is a fruit of the Spirit. And those of us with the Holy Spirit, have the strength to control those sinful desires because Jesus and the Holy Spirit is inside of us to say no, to say no to those temptations. Sometimes it's hard. And you know what I love? I love the fact that God gives us grace as well. So there, were, there have been times where we've said yes and we've indulged maybe in some of those, envy, anger, sexual immorality. But then he gives the grace to say, you know what, I love you and I care for you. Here's your way out, but don't do it again like a good parent would do. Like Kennedy, when I started this talk. Kennedy, I love you, girl, but you can't do what you just did because I want to see you grow up to be an incredible woman. And ultimately, we have a power in our life to get to the sweetness in life. But sometimes you got to go through the bitter in order to get to the sweet. And how many know that an orange pretty sweet, depending upon who picked it. I mean, I pick lemons, or I pick limes, so don't judge the way I pick. I go to grocery stores to pick these. Uh, but in order to get, I mean, how many bite a lemon? How many lemon biters? Or I'm sorry, that's weird, lemon biters. How many orange biters do we have in here? Yeah, you, you don't go and you don't cut it, you bite it. Well, when I bite it, you got to get the bitter before I can enjoy the sweet. And how many know that the fruits of the Spirit have to be unpeeled over the course of time, over the course of our life, that it's not a process that we get to the sweetness of the fruit. It's over the course of time that we have to peel back some of the things that we've done. We have to peel back some of the ways that we've done life. And we have to go and be honest and real. And we've got to peel back these situations and the circumstance and we got to get honest and truthful. Taylor, come here. So in order for my fruit to show out to somebody else, I have to peel back the layers of myself. And I got to say, you know what? I got to unpeel myself and I got to get real and honest before God that if I want to see patience more in my life, guess what? I got to give patience to somebody else. And I got to extend that hand. You can eat it because he gets to enjoy the sweetness <laughs> It's a good orange. He gets to enjoy the sweet. I bought it at Walmart. There you go, Marcus. To enjoy the sweetness 
and to have somebody else experience that sweetness of self-control, of patience, of peace. I have to unpeel it myself in order for me to go and produce it in somebody else's life or to give it to somebody else when I've not experienced it. And so in order for me to get to the sweetness, babe, come here. I have to exude self-control and I have to give love. Start handing these out. Because you know what? As the pastor of this house, when I have, when I go and I choose to live by these fruits of the Spirit and I give them to other people, guess what? What does the community have around me? More peace, more love, more joy, more self-control. But so many times we stay wrapped up my dad would say you're wrapped up tighter than a 10 cent watch. We stay wrapped up in our circumstances and we stay wrapped up in our own mind and we want to give out the fruits of the spirit, but we can't get through the bitter to get to the sweet. And I think today, right now, there are times where Jesus, right now, where the God of this universe is saying, you know what? It's time to get to the sweetness of life. It, you got to get rid of the bitter in order to get to the sweet. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes.